Welcome to our sermon for June the 26th, 2022. This is the third Sunday after Pentecost and the final uh, sermon in our series on the Holy Spirit. First, we did the Spirit Unites, and then the Spirit Fills. Last week, the Spirit Calms, and today, the Spirit Sends. Our text for today is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9, verses 51 through 62. As the time approached for Jesus to be taken up to heaven, he resolutely set out for Jerusalem, and he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. When the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. Then he and his disciples went to another village. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He said to another man, Follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Let us pray. Almighty God, this is a challenging thing to which you've called us. Discipleship comes with cost, maybe cost we haven't thought about before. But today we have faith that it's worth the cost. Work in us. Help us to say yes to you in a way that will build your kingdom in our community and in our world. Lord, I ask that the words of my mouth and meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. By ninth grade, I had my life all planned out. I was sure, I was confident, and whenever somebody asked me, I would tell them, I'm going to be a medical doctor, a surgeon, in fact, is what I had decided, and I had taken it seriously. I was really working hard at it already in junior high, but it was more than that. I had already planned out my house. I was going to have a white two-story farmhouse somewhere in the country with lots of land, I loved horses, even though I'd never really been around them. So I was going to finally have horses, a stable full of them. And there were going to be dogs, not just one or two, but I was going to have dogs all around. And we would take long walks through my property. I had, to, I had all the plans in my mind. I could see it. My older brother had a waterbed that I thought was the best thing in the world. And so I figured I'd get me one of those too. And all of those things may sound silly, but to a junior higher, that was my future, and I had truly dedicated myself to it. I was serious about it. I was taking all the science and math that I could in school, and in my off time, I was reading medical books or, or books about biology. I, I was ready to go. I wanted to do this. Then I went to summer camp at Camp Sumatanga. I was sitting on the center aisle, second row from the front in Grain Auditorium, and I heard God's call. We were singing the song, I will serve you because I love you. You've given life to me. And I knew at that moment that God was calling me to be a pastor. But I didn't say yes right away. I wanted to take the time to count the cost because even as a young boy, I realized that saying yes to God would come with some cost that I didn't know I was ready to pay. You see, I would have to give up some things. If I was going to be a full-time pastor, obviously I wouldn't have any medical career. You really, It'd be really hard to do those two things simultaneously. So my dreams of being a medical doctor would, would have to go away. And, 
And I also knew from being a lifelong Methodist that pastors generally don't live in farmhouses. And we very rarely get to own livestock like horses. And while a dog or maybe two is a possibility, uh, a a yard full of dogs just would never happen. I knew that. And and I'd been in several parsonages and I had never heard of a parsonage with a waterbed. By the way, Melissa's happy about that. She was not on that. She did not share that dream with me. But it was hard to give up my dreams. And I didn't for a long time. In fact, I was a sophomore in college. I remember I was called as a freshman in high school. I was a sophomore in college before I finally said yes to God and no to my other dreams. The Holy Spirit unites us. It fills us. It calms us and sends us, but some, sometimes to places where we don't want to go. And it happened to Jesus. And our text today begins with Jesus setting his face toward Jerusalem. He is on the way to Jerusalem for the purpose of dying, and he knows that. We know that when he gets there, he winds up actually praying to the Father, asking to be relieved of duty, saying that he doesn't want to do what he came to Jerusalem to do because of how hard it's going to be. He asked that this cup would pass from him, that he could find uh, another way. Jesus set out for Jerusalem doing what he didn't want to do and nobody around him wanted him to do. The disciples begged him not to go, but he went anyway because that was his calling, no matter what the cost. Along the way, we learn of these would-be disciples that want to follow as well. His would-be disciples experienced the same kind of turmoil that he did, though. They wanted to follow Jesus, but they were uncertain about the cost. One says, uh, to one, Jesus says, follow me and become homeless. Well, that's a tough invitation. But he says, there's no place for me to lay my head. If you're going to follow me, you're choosing a homeless way of life. Are you willing to do that? The second one says, yes, skip your father's funeral and come and follow me. That's also a high price to pay. I can't imagine skipping my father's funeral for much of anything. And yet Jesus says, let the dead bury the dead. You go and proclaim the good news. And to another, Jesus says, all right, come follow me. Let's leave right now. The guy says, well, first I'd like to go say goodbye to my family. And Jesus says, there's no time for that. The Urgency of the call is now. There's no time for a visit. Those are awfully high prices. Probably many of us would struggle paying them. The cost of discipleship can be brutally high. So why was it that we signed up for this journey? What were our motives in following Jesus? Because it's possible to use our religion to serve our own purposes. Sometimes our motive for following Jesus is not so much to become a disciple, but we would rather just, Jesus keeps us out of hell. You know, we, we sign up, we, we pray that prayer, we decide to become a Christian just to stay out of hell. Well, quite frankly, while that may be a good thing, it's also self-serving. It's about me. Uh, sometimes we sign up for our faith just to feel better about what we've done because we feel guilty and we want the guilt to go away. Also, a good result, but also self-serving. Uh, joining the church sometimes even helps us with our careers. 
Sometimes being a part of a, a certain church will allow you to advance in whatever it is you're doing. And I mean, let's be honest, it's an election year. All the politicians have found religion this year. Why? Well, at least for some of them, because it might make it more likely that they get elected or re-elected. But God doesn't bless us for ourselves. While we do receive an incredible blessing from saying yes to God, the purpose of our blessing is to be a blessing to others. Ever since the time of Father Abraham, God blesses us to be a blessing to others. Jesus invited those people to deny themselves so that they could share God's love with others. Discipleship is always other-focused. To be a true disciple, we must truly love others as we love God. It's even easy for churches to become selfishly motivated, though. We want to gather more people and more money to have nicer buildings so we can attract more people with more money and we can brag about the success of our church and we can increase the salary of our staff. We like the success of, of growing churches. It is possible to get caught up in building the kingdom of the church rather than the kingdom of God. Let me repeat that. It's possible for us to get caught up in building the kingdom of the church rather than the kingdom of God. And God never told the world to go to church. God told the church to go to the world. Our concern is not church growth or church success. Whether or not our church survives is not our primary concern. Whether or not our church thrives is not our primary concern. Our primary concern is kingdom growth. Our only passion should be kingdom growth. I'm so proud that part of our identity at Forest Lake is that we will stand for justice, even when it's unpopular. That means that we have made a conscious decision to do the right thing, to do the just thing, to do the holy thing, even if it doesn't lead to more people and more income and more success. We choose to do what is just and holy because it's right. Jesus is still calling. The Holy Spirit is still sending, and it's still a challenging mission. Carlo Corretto puts it like this. I'd like to share with you from uh, from his work. Why, oh Lord. Goodness, how difficult it is to believe in the sort of Messiah that Jesus of Nazareth represents. To believe that we win by losing our very selves. To believe that love is everything. To believe that power is a great danger. Wealth, slavery, comfortable life, a misfortune. It's not easy. This is why you hear people in the street say, if there was a God, there would not be all this suffering. 2,000 years have gone, and there are still Christians whose doctrinal notions belong to those ancient days when the power and existence of God was revealed by displays of strength and the victory of armies, and especially by wealth and having more possessions. The real secret had not yet been received, nor is it received very easily even today. Hence the blasphemy in general circulation, denying the kingdom's visibility given the ordeal of suffering and death. The old teaching that we, the church, must be strong still feeds our determination to possess the land and dominate the world. 
We must make ourselves felt. We must keep our enemies down. We must scowl. We must win. To win, we need money, money, money. And to have money, we need banks. We need the means, and we need clever bankers. We can. Uh, how can we do good without means, without money? Let's have a big meeting, and then, and then any opposition will be shamed into silence. Well, we must defend our rights, the rights of the church. We must defeat our enemies. Enemies? Always enemies on the church's horizon? Yet Jesus has told us in no uncertain terms that we no longer have any enemies since they are the same people we are supposed to love and love specially. Can it be that we have not understood? Don't we read the gospel in our churches? How long shall we wait before following the teaching of Jesus? Christ is still calling, still looking for some who will love him enough to say yes. Today God is calling. How will you answer?